the bloody good film podcast. Podcast, but the only two genres of film that matter action and horror i'm your host jesse with me as always my t bro thousand josh this is the bloody good film podcast and we are back talking more terminator we've already done the fun ones t1 and t2 and, and the t3 t and t3 which may not have been a fun one but we love you guys, and we hate ourselves, so we are back to just keep deep diving the rest of this franchise with Terminator Salvation and then Terminator Genesis, spelled all weird. Well, it's techie, so of course it spells it all weird. We'll just, we'll just get right into it. We're starting a little late, so I'm going to go straight into the movie. No preamble here. I don't like to do a lot of preamble. Preamble is something that people do that and they're just trying to waste time. And I don't believe in wasting time. I believe in just getting right to the point. You know what I mean? I hate it when people ramble on without getting to the point. All right. I wrote this up a little while ago. Let's hope that this works pretty well. Uh, <laughs> without further ado, let's get into Terminator Salvation. We've been fighting a long time. We are outnumbered by machines. Humans have a strength that cannot be measured. This is John Connor. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. I thought I knew our enemy. Something has changed. Skynet is taking human prisoners. Replicating human tissue. Let's see what we've got here. And in this future, I don't know that we can win this war. This thing is something we've never seen before. My name is Marcus Wright. You think you're human? I am human.
I'm the only hope you have. In the future, John Connor has been foretold as the leader of the Resistance, a charismatic figure who would rise above the bone skulls and lead humanity to victory. So instead of making a movie that has that as our focus, we focus on a new guy who's a murderer that wakes up after Judgment Day and bumps into Kyle Reese and stumbles his way through a convoluted plot made by Skynet to kill John Connor. I have not seen this movie since I saw it in theaters. It's been quite a while. I went and saw this on a midnight showing when it came out because I was super excited to finally get a Terminator movie that broke the formula and actually showed us the future. This could have been amazing. And then I, I read up some things on Mick G where he's like, I don't want to be too adherent to what uh, James Cameron set out on his movies. I want to make it different. So we're, because of the timeline change at the Terminator 3. So I don't have to have cool lasers and skulls everywhere. I can do a desert with Terminator skulls getting stepped on instead of human skulls because that's terrifying. And <laughs> instead of lasers, let's use bullets because uh, bullets did jack shit to them in the old movies and they're supposed to be the resistance. So like they should be struggling if they're doing bullets. It should be harder. Instead, they're kicking off Terminators left and right in this movie. There were choices made that do not make sense in this movie. And it's frustrating because there is a good movie in here somewhere. And this was their big chance. They got away from Arnold. They decided to go the Arnoldless route. This is our first and only one without Arnold. It's, they and, wanted him, but uh, he was going to be the governor. Yeah, good choice. Or he for him, was the governor. <laughs> but they had a chance to do something completely different. Go, you know, different routes. Not have the Arnold not crutch, but I feel like Arnold in these later movies is definitely relied on as a crutch. Uh, he just said not a crutch, but you know he's a crutch. <laughs> I was trying to be nice, but yeah, no, uh, he's definitely, especially in the one we talk about later, he's, he's the crutch of all these movies. And in three, two, it's like whenever the story's going bad, whenever something's boring, they just use like an awful Arnold one-liner or a forced comedy moment that makes no sense, but they're doing it just because they have Arnold. This one had a chance to go away from that. They didn't have Arnold. And despite it being a low bar for the rest of this franchise. They didn't do much to elevate past the low bar that was set by the other movie. There's, there's a good story idea here, but just the execution on it's terrible. They could have a character like Marcus, but he can't be some murderer guy we meet at the beginning of the movie who wakes up after Judgment Day and goes after John Connor. That way, because they did it this way, He's an acquaintance to Kyle Reese when he bumps into him. That means nothing. He becomes yep. an acquaintance to John Connor at best, but he's, for some reason he's willing to lay down his life for him. It should have been somebody that was infiltrating the resistance for a long time, and then you get the twist later on. It's somebody that added like an emotional baggage to it. That could have been like a good plot point. And honestly, he could not be the lead no matter what. Because uh, no. we had been waiting to see John Connor as a leader, a charismatic leader, since the original Terminator came out. We got little bits and pieces, especially the best bit is probably uh, T2 has a future John Connor that just looks bad fucking ass. And you're like, how does Edward Furlong turn into that? And then <laughs> this was our opportunity to get that. I'm a fan of Christian Bale. He is acting real hard in this movie not necessarily well but he's not given a lot to work with so i feel no. like he's just given his all to like meager lines he's not charismatic at all he's 
boring army guy. And like, how the hell is this guy getting toted as the Messiah? Keanu Reeves had more charisma in the Matrix movies, which don't get me wrong, I love Keanu Reeves, but he's not like a charismatic actor for the most part. He's just yeah. likable. Christian Bale. I would not follow this guy into war. I would not be laying down my life for this John Connor. This John Connor looks grumpy. He's always putting on like a, a weird affect on his voice so he could sound tough. And you could tell that he's trying so hard. Oh, I'm tough, John Connor. I used to be Batman, but I'm dialing it back a little bit. It's too no, much. Bring it back. You know, he's full Batman voice this one. He, oh, not he quite. Did not, he did it's just not a little bit He's extra gruffy in his voice whenever he's got to say something tough. Look, I understand that he wasn't given a lot to work with, and he tried. He put some effort into this role, but it's hard to be a charismatic leader when the lines that you're given to read are as bad as some of the speeches that he has in this movie. And look, the cast of this movie is great. Like, if you just look at it on paper, like, in theory, this should be a great movie. Like, Christian Bale's great. We got Anton Yelchin. He's great. Like, the supporting cast is great. Like, even Common who somehow has turned himself into a pretty good action like yeah. side piece in a lot of these movies. He's done a really good job. And then you got Bryce Dallas Howard. That's always a plus anytime she's in a movie. Uh, like in theory, like this is a good cast to work around Christian Bale, who's a good leading man. It just unfortunately is not put together in a very enjoyable way. <laughs> there's nothing to You got Michael Ironside in this. And yep. you know what's the worst thing about this? I saw him in the credits like, I did not remember Michael Ironside in this movie. And I love Michael Ironside. So the fact that Michael Ironside, the star of Highlander 2, is not memorable in this movie. I haven't seen it for like 10 years. I bought the DVD because it had, I got the radar one. I was going to see how it is. It's nice. radar. It's, I can't even find what they changed. Maybe there was like a drop of blood extra into it, but it's like nothing. Maybe, maybe I think there might have been a, a titty, but it's very it's very shadowed titty, and my screen yeah. is not good enough to pick up on the titty. It's it's Moon Blood Good, right? Which is still yeah. the greatest name ever. Star of really good Street name. Fighter, The Legend of Chun Li, Moon Blood Good shows some dark titty in the shadows in the rated R version. I also got suckered into that rated R version because when I was looking through my DVDs, I was like, I know I own this stupid movie. I bought the special R rated cut and I was like, what's in the PG-13 cut that is different? I just got lured into it. You get one like shadowy nipple and that was what sends it from PG-13 to rated R because there's no extra blood or violence or anything like that. Like nothing really sticks out and that's something that's missing. Like this movie looks pretty good, all, all things considered. But it, it just needs more violence, more gore. There's good explosions. You know, the backgrounds aren't exactly what I want, but the set pieces look good. Like, the movie's visually appealing, despite it being underutilized. Like, there's just not a lot of cool stuff that happens in these places. Yeah, but remember in the first movie when Kyle Reese says that they move around at night to avoid the Terminators? And this movie takes place almost entirely within the day with them driving around during the day. Yeah. Well, that's how they always showed the future was at night. And they're showing everything in the daytime, and it it's not doesn't feel like the Terminator, like there's any attachment. Which I, I'm actually able to view movies on their own merits, but uh, yeah. when they're when they're kind of mediocre, you start nitpicking at things, and I'm nitpicking at that. Honestly, I, I don't understand Sam Worthington's arc at all. He the no. first scene with him, he actually seems like he's gonna be an interesting character. He uh, makes out with Helen Bomar Carter. I don't know how to say her name. The guy that Edward. Uh, Tim Burton likes it might have been his wife I'm not sure uh she she's in there all cancery and he's like I'll, I'll trade you my body for uh 
for uh, a kiss. He's like, ooh, that's what death tastes like. I'm like, okay, he's going to be kind of a badass, weird, villainy type guy. Immediately in the future, he's like, I'm Mr. Nice Guy. Okay, for like five seconds, he considers leaving behind uh, Kyle Reese and the girl. And then immediately he's like, nah, that part of my arc is over. I'm sticking with these kids to the end. Even the point like five minutes later when uh, they get taken away by uh, the machines. Now I'm going to risk my life to save them when that character arc was not gained successfully. Like he was going to leave them. It hasn't even been a day yet. It has changed his fucking mind and there's been no reason for it. The The little girl hasn't been extra endearing. Kyle Reese hasn't been extra like awesome to him. Uh, there's no reason except for like, uh, this is the part of the story where he turns his life around and decides to be selfless. It just doesn't make sense. Like if you're going to make him the number two in this movie, like he has a huge ploy. This he's, like, he's not a huge the number part. two. His role is bigger than Christian Bale's in this. He has it feels way like it. more. No, no. He has but, way more screen time. Christian Bale's role was actually supposed to be even more minor before Christian Bale took it up. They had to beef it up in order to like, uh, maintain justify putting christian bale in that part it just doesn't make sense to me that if that's the case you know if this was really written to be marcus's story you know around john connor and kyle reese like they they never really dove into anything that made him a meaningful character like if they would have given us more backstory you know shown us a little bit more about what life was like before you know generally i hate that stuff but it needed something like I needed to know more about this character. Yes, he's on trial. He's going to death row. And that's when they get him like, but give me more of that. Like what happened? Give me like a flashback scene or something like that to give me some sort of emotional connection. Cause you know, he's on the screen for 70% of the movie. It feels like, and I don't really ever care about his character or what's going on. Like when he gets blown up, when he's running uh, away from the mine after he saves the pilot and you don't care, he could have died right there. He gets the mind sucked on him. I, he could have died and that would have been the end of the movie and it wouldn't bother me at all because I don't have a connection to him despite him being a main character in the movie. It's weird that they make – like everybody has been waiting for this movie forever and then they focus it on a new character, which there's a good angle there. But make him an established person of the community and that angle means something more. Make him somebody that saved John Connor before and was like meaningful – and, like, he could bring not just John Connor, but the whole resistance to Skynet to get killed. So that would make sense for why he hadn't turned on him yet. Like, have him in there fully integrated so that the betrayal of him being a machine. And then have him go not understand that he was a machine the entire time. Then have him go hog wild and start killing everybody. That would have been, like, holy shit. This guy who I've known for years, who has saved my life, is now murdering everybody I love. That would have been great. Not this guy that Moonblood brought in uh, that's looking a lot like a machine already on my first impression meeting him. <laughs> is like the guy that just happens to be a machine that's luring me to a trap on a, on, without knowing it. It's it's bad idea right there. From start to finish, like... There's only so much they could do with the script of this movie. Like, despite everything that's going on, like this, this is a flawed script, and and it's so frustrating. And I keep coming back to it is because they had a blank slate. They have this established characters. They have this great lore of this Terminator universe, and all of it was just wasted with a terrible script. And you know, if you want to do this betrayal, you know, this insider that's been doing it. That was not the way to do it. Just him showing up and surprise, I'm a robot. Look at my half skin, but I have a heart. 
And like, it just doesn't make sense. None of the lines land to make it feel important. There's no feeling. There's no sense of betrayal. There's no sense of meaning for his character. Like, you're only left to guess, oh, I guess this is his redemption arc. He he was, you know, going to be on death row. And now he's trying to wrong his, right his wrongs or whatever the case may be. But it's just flat. Like, all this plot to this movie is flat. And they should have given a little bit more info on exactly what happened with his murder. Like, yeah. I think he honestly, if they're going to go this route, he should have been like a stone cold murderer and him not understanding why he feels like he has to find Kyle Reese or go with Kyle Reese and like help John Connor out. That would be like the programming that Skynet came in slowly working against what his regular personality would have been. This is regular personality would have been to like just destroy them right off the bat. But now he's bringing bait to, to, to take them down. Like, that would have been like a cool angle, but we never really get details. It's like, eh, he murdered some people, like his brother, some cops are dead. No details, kept vague. I don't know if they're going to go for the sequels to answer that because I know this was a planned first movie of a trilogy. Yeah. So maybe they're <laughs> like, we'll fill this in later because that's always worked well. Look at how the last Star Wars trilogy went. <laughs> Sometimes you need to front load it. If you're not 100% positive that there's going to be two more movies, like, they weren't signing with a huge company. They were signing with a company that had a chance to go under, and that's exactly what happened. This movie yeah, like didn't do it. After. Yeah, it didn't do it any sort of favors. And listen, like, we talk about the plot because it's really bad in this movie, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's not why we have this podcast is because of great plots and bad plots. So if there was good action that went alongside of it, then, you know, you can overlook the plot. But even the action sequences in this movie don't quite land. And I think the biggest problem that I have with it is everything about the action in this movie is very clean. It's yeah. very like precise. It's very bright daylight. Like there's nothing dirty or grimy or I, I don't want to say realistic. It's Terminator, but there's yeah. nothing that feels like there's a real struggle at any point in this movie. Like even, you know, when they're breaking into the plant and everything like that, like that should be a tense scene. And there's just really no tenseness and the way that it's shot doesn't do it any favors because all these action sequences seem very choreographed and very just basic movie making. I'll say there is one part I think looked pretty cool and it's right at the beginning. So it's like they spent all their effort at the beginning. They're like, this was too hard to do. This was too much. But when Christian Bale goes into the helicopter, he just barely gets up. Then the, the base below him gets blown up. And then you get the like the the way the camera was working for that shot, like going from out to in and like all around. That was some cool camera work that made it feel very epic. When I first saw it in the theater, I'm like, "Oh, this is going to be a fun movie," despite too much of it taking place in the daytime. That was about <laughs> it. That like after that, we get like the action sequence when they go to that. Uh, I think it was a gas station that they they had people hanging out at. Oh yeah, that, that wasn't cool when the robots came in. Also, I'm wondering they had a lot of people living there. Where was the poop? I need to know where the poop was because uh, there's people in there. There's no plumbing going on anymore. Plumbing is dead by this time in, in uh, the future. Yep. So there's a bunch of people in one house. Kyle Reese should have noticed that, or Kyle or Marcus should have noticed either there's poop all around here. So like this place is definitely covered, has people inside of it or the inside should have smelled awful. And there should have been like flies all around because maybe you can't poop outside because the Terminators are trained to see poop with the heat signatures and that's how they find them. So something was going on with the poop that was fucking them up. Cause there's too many people in that small gas station. That poop has to go somewhere. 
How'd you feel about the actual look of the Terminators? I liked uh, the thick guys uh, that, uh, like the first one that Marcus uh, yells at. He 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 looks pretty badass. But this is also Stan Winston's last movie, so yeah. uh, the Terminators look great. And honestly, the effects for the most part look solid. It's just they're not utilized great. Yeah, yeah, I love the look of the the first kind of chunky Terminator with the. It almost looks like a skull mask, like the way it's put on. It looks like there's just an actual like face underneath it and like a skull mask over the top. And that look looks really cool. It looks like dirty, like they're still trying to figure it out, but like effective. And I thought that was a really cool take of the Terminator. That's one positive that they had going for them is the the Terminators did look good. Even like the weird like robotic, like the robotic motorcycle and the robotic eels and stuff like that, like all the robotic Terminator stuff, it looked good. It, and it that was visually pleasing. The robotic motorcycle was stupid. That that was ex- <laughs> it looked cool. <laughs> like like the big Terminator machine guy that grabs him, uh shoots out motorcycles from his shins. And uh <laughs> why they seem to be fitted in a way that if you rip out some cords and do some computer hacking you can sit on it and ride that motorcycle which there's no reason why they should have anything that would a human can sit on for yeah. a terminator road uh, motorcycle that's the dumbest part of the movie so like they they had to make this design where it's like deadly motorcycle that can kill you but also friendly to ride on and that was a <laughs> bad idea it should have been like full of spikes so when john connor hacks the motorcycle terminator his ball should have gotten hit with spikes. And he'd be like, oh, this was a bad idea. And it's a good thing Kyle Reese didn't sit on it because then his dad wouldn't have been able to populate uh, John Connor. <laughs> or I wish that like, when he got off the motorcycle from just riding this uncomfortable seat for however far it took to get to the base. Like he gets off and he just can't walk straight. It's like he's riding a horse. He's just waddling out to the base. <laughs> yeah, it made zero sense. Like, I, I hate I hated those the 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 arm things the like the snake terminators those were okay they kind of looked like uh the guys in Matrix though at least like their yeah, arms in Matrix did. and they just made that into a Terminator robot and I, that that was fine whatever uh, I I think uh, Anton Yelchin did a he's probably the second best Kyle Reese that we've gotten in the franchise I actually think his performance yeah. is good for a kid a kid his age but he still he still has bravery to him uh he he's one of the better actors in this movie, I, th- I think. Oh yeah. But he's not utilized enough. Also, he should have been dead really early in the movie because he gets identified. <laughs> There's, they, they showed the cameras identifying Kyle Reese like 30 times when he's in the detention facility. And instead of killing him, they lock him in a room. Why? They're, the whole point that they're trying to do is to stop uh, John Connor from getting born. Kyle Reese is a teenager. He has not had sex with Sarah Connor yet because he has not gone back in time. All they have to do is punch him hard in the dick, and then John Connor is dead. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a flawed system. When you need someone dead in order to protect your future, and you have that person captured, it just seems like a lot of work. Like, there's no war crimes or anything. Like, they don't have to go to counsel or anything to determine why they killed him. Like, they have him captured. Why wouldn't they just kill him right away and make sure that there's no doubt at all? This Terminator camp is breaking the Geneva Convention. We gotta <laughs> stop this. Like, it's it's dumb. Also, dumbest part of the movie is Sam Worthington goes back. He gets fixed up because his face has been all Terminator and he was actually looking cool for a second. They're like, nah, we don't <laughs> want that. We want to fix him up, which there's no reason why they'd fix him up. He'd done his purpose. John Connor's there. Uh, Kyle yeah. Reese is there. He's bringing the resistance there. Uh there's no reason to fix him. He's done his duty and he's just a machine. Like there's, they don't have like 
the sentimentality. And but the dumbest thing yeah. about that scene is Helen Carter, Mama Carter, is the face that comes up on the on the screen, and it starts monologuing like a Bond villain. It's a fucking <laughs> machine. It should not have an ego where it needs to explain everything to the to the good guy. It's it makes zero sense at all. That scene should not happen. And honestly, it should it should have been left up in the air whether or not like because uh, the first time you watch it, you're like oh he ended up bringing them to a trap. Maybe he was working under programming. You should have let the audience try and figure it out. Don't have the stupid cancer woman giving you a monologue about why they did everything. What a good boy uh, Marcus has been about the whole thing. Just no, that you don't congratulate people for completing their programming. I don't congratulate Windows every single time it pops up. It's idiotic. <laughs> But then you wouldn't get the cool scene of him going, no, and then throwing the chair through the window. That's just, that's his human side right there. It's like, no, I'm still human. Look, I can throw chairs. It, it, it's a ridiculous scene. It's it's so dumb. Um, I do like when we get to the final base and we kind of get the last Terminator fighting Marcus. Like, I do enjoy the last, you know, 10 to 15 minutes uh, while they're in there. Like, it's a little bit of tenseness. That's the only part of the movie that has any sort of tense moments, I would say for the most part. Other than that, like even when they're in danger, it never really feels like anyone is in danger. Well, they don't know how to film danger because they do that classic. There's the uh, third Indiana Jones film has a scene that's been done in a bunch of other action movies where Indy's on the side of the tank and you see the wall coming closer and Indy's struggling to get up from on the tank before he gets smashed up against the wall. That takes several shots back and forth to establish the danger. There's a scene where Anton Yelchin is, is faces outside of the car when they're doing the, the bus chase or whatever. And in the same shot, you see that he's about to hit something. He pulls himself out from being hit by something. So you can't build up suspense if it's there and gone in the same second. Yeah. This McG does not know how to film suspenseful action sequences. You can't just do that kind of crap and uh, expect everybody to go, oh, he almost got hit. Because we didn't know he was about to get hit until he was out of danger pretty much at the same time. It does not work that way. And uh, I, I didn't feel anything in the final action sequence. Like, I thought it was cool for a second when I saw Arnold. And then uh, I'm like, oh, Uncanny Valley. But I guess Uncanny Valley works with Eternity. You could say, like, they haven't gotten the skin quite right yet. Because this yeah. is this is an assembly line right to the to the future or the past, like in another movie. So you can you can let it go, but it still looks a little off. But it's kind of cool. I think looked better when they blew up his face a little bit. But yeah, I, I honestly, not, not a whole lot sticks out from everything in this movie. I, I, I wrote a review on Letterbox. I'd say this movie passes the fine test. Like the action's mm-hmm. fine. It's not like in your face, insultingly bad. And, and every a lot of things look good, but it doesn't like grab you and like get you excited for it. It's a perfectly fine everything that we're seeing. Yeah, but compared to I don't know if it's just because we watched three not that long ago, like fine seems way better than it probably should. And like there are things despite you know it having its flaws. Like I don't look at this movie with the same disgust that I watched three with for some reason. Because when I watched three, I felt offended for like ninety five percent of the movie for what was on the screen. This movie doesn't offend me. It's just not well done. But yeah. there are things that I can nitpick and enjoy. Like you mentioned, Marcus. Like when he's captured. And they they have him up on like the little rack thing. Like he actually looks pretty cool. Like his skin's yeah. rutting away. Like his whole chest is open. You can see his heart. Like that's like there's cool things in this movie. It's just the director McG, which is this 
stupidest name. Just go by your real name, dude. Just go Joseph McGinty is a fine name. You don't need to be Mick G. Like, that's ridiculous. He just doesn't know how to string these cool shots together. Because there is a way that you could have taken this story as poor as it is and strung it together in a way that was at least enjoyable to watch. I, I keep coming back to these sequels, and I have the same problem. Did you ever ride the ride at Universal Studios yeah. like in the 90s? That's what I want. That's what I wanted all of my Terminator sequels to feel like. I want it in a blue hue at night. I want skulls everywhere. And like that's how I pictured a Terminator sequel. Like without Arnold, like just in there going through these broken, devastated cities in the dark, you know, piece by piece. Like it was all spelled out for all these directors that took a shot at it. Like there this one especially had a clean slate to do whatever he wanted. He was McGee wasn't tied to any preconceived notions. He had a clear chance to just make a cool Terminator movie, and he just made a perfectly you know, fine Terminator adaptation. It's so weird he made the future look like this because uh, James Cameron is considered a genius filmmaker, and he looked at right. what James Cameron did and the fact that everybody always like remarks on how cool those future sequences look, and he went, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm me, <laughs> director of Charlie's Angels. I'm going to do the future my way. It's like no no you should be trying to emulate the master and like i, I saw an interview with james cameron or, or, or i read an interview with james cameron where he said that uh mcgee was too reverent to the source material i'm like you didn't watch the movie did you, james you, you, <laughs> you're just saying shit he had somebody else watch it for him and he's like this is this is what i think you should say yeah because it he doesn't feel reverent i mean it doesn't feel disrespectful Terminator 3 feels no. disrespectful to the yes. rest, rest of the source material. This doesn't feel disrespectful at all. It just does seem, doesn't seem like it was made by someone that really enjoyed the original two Terminators the way he should. I'm sure he did. I mean, everybody loves the first two Terminators, but I just don't I just don't feel like he was able to like really grasp what people loved about the first two Terminators and I it's just it feels like a miss. It feels like it was made by someone that's like Terminator's cool, but what if it was this instead? And I want it done by Terminator is cool. How can we build off of that? And I don't think McGee was that guy. Like the idea of a robot discovering its humanity is cool. It's a reason why they have a, a character insert like that in almost every single Star Trek show. But uh, it doesn't work in this, especially they, they could have had that character, but he could not be the lead. He definitely could not be the lead. That was the problem. Although... There was a draft of this, the first draft of the script, and apparently it got leaked, so they had to change it up, where John Connor does die at the end, and they graft his face onto Sam Worthington because it was more important that uh, John Connor live on as like a figure. And then he kills that everybody that knows about it. So it's like, oh, wow, that was going to go way too fucking dark. And I kind of wish they went that route because that would I, I appreciate big swings, even if that would have been – a horrible I, i'll still admit that would have been a horrible choice to make but it would have been a hell of a lot more memorable than anything that we saw in this movie well and it would have given a purpose for the marcus character because despite him being you know the face that you look at for the majority of this movie he doesn't have main character energy he doesn't have main character purpose he's just there he's just the guy we have to look at at least that at the end of it all would have felt like he had some sort of purpose because it doesn't feel like uh, he did, I guess, what he was supposed to, and then he saved John Connor, and I guess that was supposed to be his purpose. It just, it never feels achieved. Hollywood tried so hard with Sam Worthington for a while. Like, I know he's Santa. he's going to get work because of, he's in the Avatar movies, which I haven't seen. I mean, apparently okay. he's in this movie because of uh, 
James Cameron recommended him after working in uh, the first Avatar. Uh, he's like, yeah, use Sam Worthington, like doom your fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> he 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 had this, he had Clash of the Titans going on. He had Avatar, like he was the guy that everybody was pushing. And just like everybody's like, no, stop pushing Sam Worthington at me. If he was, if he knew like martial arts or something, I'd understand it. But he's just an uncharismatic lead, and that's all that we got out of him. I really wanted to like Clash of Titans too, and uh, Sam Worthington did not do a great job. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen them. I kind of we're gonna eventually do an original verse remake with that because I I seen the original as a kid and I remember loving it, but uh, I haven't seen it since then, so I have no idea if it holds up. Liam Neeson as Zeus like just should have made it a great movie right off the rip, and somehow they managed to mess it up because they they cast uh, Sam Worthington in it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it. He's not worth a ton. He should be Sam Worthless. I was going to make something along those lines, but I kept it in because I didn't have it worked out. But you just went ahead and threw it out there. Not worked out. <laughs> We're going to workshop it and then we'll edit it in pristine. <laughs> All right. Uh, is there anything else that we need to talk about with this movie? I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Jesse is Terminator Salvation, a bloody good film. Now this one's a weird one for me uh, because we're coming off watching the third movie not that long ago. And that movie is awful. That movie is, I think, the worst one in the franchise. We'll get to the final rankings when mm. we find finish these. But it's definitely down there. It's definitely yes. one of the two worst ones. So this one feels significantly better just because we're coming off the back of that one. With that being said, I think this is almost a bigger miss because he had a chance to do whatever he wanted. He didn't have Arnold, so he didn't have to worry about having that in there. He had a clean slate, a clean story. And what he decided to do was give us a character that he didn't really explain, didn't give a backstory that we care about, and didn't really develop in the whole hour and 45 minutes that this movie is going on. So if you're going to start a new character in this well-established world, full of lore, full of what people think it should look like, if you're going to introduce a new character, you have to really go for it and really make him a character that people care about. And at the end of the day, I don't care about the Marcus character at all. I think there's times where he looks really cool, like when his skin starts falling off, when you can see his heart, like he looks cool there. Or when he's jumping on the mine to protect uh, the pilot, like that looks cool too. Like he, he does cool things and he could be a cool character if he was given any sort of development whatsoever. Um, the action scenes in this movie, they're fine. Uh, they're very polished. They're very clean. They're very easy to see what's going on. You never really feel like anyone's in danger in this movie. The most danger you feel is when he's attacking is when uh, Marcus escapes and they're hunting him down throughout the the place in the forest and it's dark and they got helicopters and everything on him. Like that's the only time in this movie that it feels like anyone is in danger and he's a robot. So he's fine. He's going to be a Terminator. He's not going to get killed by these people. But other than that, like none of the scenes where people are supposed to be in danger really felt like anyone was in danger. Uh, the movie is just far too bright, far too deserty for what I want in a Terminator movie. Uh, the cast is great. Now, uh, the supporting cast, especially, I think, is a really good. Uh, everyone that has a supporting role is probably better than what we get from Christian Bale and Sam Worthington. Uh, but it, I mean, the acting's fine. The plot's not very good. The action's fine. The acting's fine. It's it's a fine movie, and compared to some of the other ones in the franchise, it makes it seem very good. So, I mean, at the end of the day. Um, because it's better than the rest of them. It's a bloody okay film. It's fine. Yeah, this movie, it, it I remember thinking it was 
decent the first time I watched it, and it still kind of is. There's a lot to nitpick at it because this doesn't really fit in the lore very well. Right. And the style doesn't feel anything like James Cameron's uh, first masterpiece and second uh, okay piece. But uh, it's there's something missing from here. Like on paper, if you told me this story, it sounds like it'd be awesome. There's so much things that sound like they'd be awesome, and everything yeah. is just fine. It's, that's as far as it goes. It's just into the fine range, and that's not what this uh, franchise deserved at this point. If you're going to make a fourth movie and you're going to finally show us the future, come in all guns blazing and show us what we've been waiting for. Show us the desperation. There was, it didn't feel as desperate. The first movie had that flashback with Kyle when he's coming back in uh, from, from uh, patrol and just everything feels desperate. Even when there's not action, when there's not action in here, everything feels fine. It kind of feels like uh, the expendables movies when they're just hanging out in like abandoned places. It's not, you don't feel like they're intense danger. While in, in the first movie, when they're doing it, when even when you don't see a Terminator, it feels like something could happen at any second. This doesn't feel like that at all. It's just, it, it doesn't entirely work, but it's not, it's not egregiously bad. I appreciate the fact that they did move the story off formula because of the formula was hurting it. You couldn't, not, you can't just send a guy back in time to a different part of John Connor's life or Sarah Connor's life and have, this is a slightly tweaked Terminator from what we saw before because they already did the best tweak in the second movie. And you, every tweak they've done after that has not quite landed. So, yeah. <laughs> they, James Cameron put the bar way too fucking high with T-1000. So yeah, bloody fine film is what I'm going to put it as. I didn't completely hate it, but I don't see myself watching this for at least another 10 years. Maybe that's why it seems better because it's been such a huge gap from the last time I saw it. And I think I think this movie just feels better because it's coming off such a turd that is Terminator 3. Yeah, I, I, had, well, I also had remembered Terminator 3 being okay, and that one was abysmal. Uh, that one was not okay. This next one is another one that I haven't seen since theater, so it took. this was the first time watching it before this podcast. Terminator Genesis. I look at each of you and I see the marks of this long and terrible war. If we die tonight, mankind dies with us. The machine sent a Terminator back to the time before the war to kill my mother, Sarah Connor. Sir, let me save her. What you're doing right now, this is the end of the war. me going back to her she'll be scared and weak take care of her for me kyle come with me if you want to live now soldier this is all wrong john sent me here to save you from the terminator that was sent back to kill me i know but we already took care of him we I've been waiting for you. Sarah. 
the time John sent you to, it no longer exists. Everything's changed. We can stop Judgment Day from happening. Kyle Reese is once again back from the future, only Sarah Connor is four inches shorter, but somehow already a badass. The timelines have already been altered further and Sarah Connor has zero chemistry with Reese and their son is turning into a real disappointment. But will they be able to overcome it before Skynet masquerading as Genesis takes over social media and missiles? Alright, so we're back to the part of the Terminator franchise while I feel offended. Uh, <laughs> I, I, there's just something about this movie and, and here's I think the problem we'll get off the bat with it I like Amelia Clark in this movie I think she's a good actress who wasn't given a lot to work with uh, I hate Jai Courtney I think he's awful as he uh, Kyle Reese he has he's zero chemistry as, uh, John McClane's son also <laughs> like anytime he's on the screen it, I just, it bothers me like he has no chemistry with Sarah Connor at all he has like he anytime he tries to interject himself into a conversation, it annoys me. I don't know how Arnold and Sarah didn't get annoyed with him, but he's awful. Um, yeah. I just Amelia Clark just Sarah Connor is such an iconic character, and I think it would have been difficult for anyone to step in and play Sarah Connor after the performance that we've seen. Like she has a little bit of agency, and she is a badass in this one, but she just never achieves the Sarah Connor like. And I don't know if it's her stature. There's just something about her that never feels like she would turn into the stone cold Sarah Connor that we expect. The problem is she she actually does have some of her face that I could see like, oh, that's a little Linda Hamilton-ish. But she looks like she could be Linda Hamilton's daughter because she never packs on the muscle like Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton nope. is a force. Like, I believe even older Linda Hamilton, I believe she can kick my ass. Oh yeah, and definitely. I'm looking forward to it. And Amelia Clark, she looks like her her like pretty daughter that has she's like she's gonna go to boot camp yet, but she wants to have a fun day at college uh, first or some <laughs> fun time before college first. And she's just she's cute. She's cute doing it. She's adorable. She comes in first thing we see with her is come with me if you want to live or or, or oh, no, it's on your feet, soldier. I'm like, oh come on, Amelia, <laughs> you're so tiny. No, you don't have you have, like at least if she had if she had been doing like the Sarah Connor workout and gotten some guns, I could have believed it a little bit more. She's scrawny. She's very scrawny, and I'm like I, I I fully believe women can kick ass in action movies. Amelia Clark did not put in the work. It, it, it said that she did like a bunch of guns training and stuff. I'm and I'm I'm not seeing any of that. I'm not seeing any any crazy workouts. She looks great. I don't really have a problem with her performance. She's given her all. It's just so much of it. I'm like, oh, and <laughs> as opposed to uh, Jai Courtney as Kyle Reese, who Michael Bean as Kyle Reese is like frantic, almost he, he's dealing with PTSD. He's yeah. almost like crazy, but he's still able to keep it together. This guy, 
is coming out of Cool Collective. He's doing like quip spec at Sarah Connor, and I'm like, no, this is this. He he said he didn't want to model his performance off of what Michael Bean or Anton Yelchin did. And he should have. He should have tr- at least tried to do something a little <laughs> manic instead of like coming in as the perfect soldier or whatever. I think is what his idea of her performance was. It's like I'm just going to be the soldier guy who's prepared for everything. But he's been in combat. He's he's apparently been at the end of the war because we're seeing at the beginning is when he gets shot back in time the first time that we've seen talked about in the movie other movies. He's been through all that, but he's not frantic and crazy or anything like that. He's he, he's terrible. He's abysmal. He's the worst part of this entire movie. He he's really bad, and, and that's the thing with this character is he should be going through something. Like he shouldn't be in the mood to be making these jokes and. He's playing almost like a Rico Suave, like lady man, like the coolest soldier in the outfit type of thing. And it, it's, it's just a weird fit for the Kyle Reese character that we know from the original movie. And then also, you know, what we think the Kyle Reese character should be. It, it's just such a far departure from it. Like, I understand him being a great soldier and, you know, being dangerous and stuff like that. Like, that all makes sense. But just his personality and his character and the way he interacts with people, it just doesn't fit right and what's the director of this one it's, it's not as easy to remember as mick g alan, <laughs> alan taylor which should be pretty easy to remember because that's a very like basic two-person first name kind of director name it, it just seems like a big whiff on his part for letting the character be developed into that because again like these are your main characters of the movie like this these are not only main characters of this movies these are characters that are huge in this franchise that people expect to be a certain way that should be written a certain way and they're they're just not it's such a big whiff and it affects the rest of the movie like i hate to let one character ruin a whole movie for me because you can usually nitpick around one character but his characters in this movie so much all the time that it's just so much wrong that even if something cool is going on, I go, man, Jai Courtney is annoying. Here's the thing. I don't think actors need to come in doing the exact performance of the person before. I would say uh, Chris Pine taking over William Shatner's role in Star Trek is a good example of doing it Fine. right. He does not sound at all like William Shatner's uh, James T. Kirk. He comes off as his own James Tiberius Kirk, but he still embodies what made the character. He still has the swagger, still has the charisma. And all that kind of stuff. He he doesn't have to play it exactly like Michael Bean, but he has to be going through something instead of just being there. And that's the problem. His idea of doing Kyle Reese is just a guy that's there. Like he 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 saw the first movie. He's like, what did women like about uh about Kyle Reese? <laughs> abs. All right, I do have to do absolutely nothing else in my role as Kyle Reese. Well, it feels weird because it feels like every movie where there's like a cop that's working, he's been there for a while, and then they give him his lady detective counterpart that's new, fresh out of the academy, and still like very chipper and upbeat. Like they have this like weird relationship that just doesn't make sense at all in the grand scale of the movie. And they're back and forth the whole movie is just never once does it land. And aside from some forced Arnold humor that they try to give us later, because Arnold's back in this movie looking older than ever, and it's just awful the back and forth between these characters where they're trying to quip and these are people that are supposed to fall in love that's supposed to have some sort of connection on a basic level and it just doesn't feel like there's any real connection between them 
I, I'm, I'm going to pull right out of left field. Despite all these complaints I've been saying, I don't think this is an abysmal movie. I actually think this <laughs> is a fun movie, but there's a lot to complain about. It feels like a, my same reaction to the G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, where Channing Tatum Man. was fucking awful in that movie. But you it was really still, pushing for that one. We're going to do it one day. Uh, Channing Tatum was awesome. It was awful in it, but it somehow was a fun movie. This feels like the same kind of thing because Amelia Clark, she's trying her best. She she's fun in it. She's just not my Sarah Connor. Arnold, I liked actually the idea that they gave him that uh, he has organic flesh over over his machine body, so it makes sense to age. I'm like, yeah, actually, that's that's completely believable. I buy into that entirely. I don't like the whole pops thing. I hate that. But other than that, I think yeah. Arnold's actually pretty good in this movie. Just the pops thing is bad. Uh, when he comes into the future of 2017 with the extra gray hair it's not a good look for him it, just no. don't 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 go that great just like say arnold uh e800 is feeling a little vain and he had to dye his hair a little bit because that looked awful you can't be a badass at that and then we have the t1000 played by boyung hung lee from i saw the squid devil games. oh and i saw the devil i haven't seen squid games but i saw oh, uh, i saw the devil and he's amazing in that and he's actually really solid as the t- as the t1000 in this movie like agreed He's he's very creepy looking. I'm not gonna say he goes above and beyond what uh, Patrick or Robert Patrick did, but uh, he does a pretty phenomenal job of filling in that role, being menacing. The only problem is they go to an acid factory and they're able to take him out real easily. While it took (laughs) over two hours to take him out in the first movie, and the Terminators are heavily nerfed and like they keep just like ending up in places where Terminators can get uh, killed. They go to an acid factory there. Although I did like. That the Arnold Terminator from the first movie, he just throws a little liquid metal on his face. He's like, now you're a T-1000 type or <laughs> yeah. maybe an T-800.5 or something. I don't know. He's been he's been upgraded. He comes back to life. I like that he could do that, although it makes me wonder why Robert Patrick didn't just throw a little liquid uh, metal into Arnold's face in T-2 and then suddenly he can reprogram Arnold. Would have made the movie <laughs> a lot easier for him. But uh, it's, it's all that that's it's actually like cool sequences i like the recreations of the first movie you even go down to the smallest details of like the garbage man look what the hell and they get the same the garbage man doing the same kind of shit uh kyle reese steals the pants again did you guys see a big old white ball on this guy they even do the nike shot the nike product placement and once again kyle reese does not uh steal any pants he's sticking with the homeless man's pants i get homage to the original that's pretty good the the open i'd say like the best part of this movie is the opening like maybe 35 minutes of it it's actually pretty damn fun yeah there, there are parts of this movie that are actually enjoyable and i like the different iterations of the the t-series like the t-1000 they get the t-5000 you get a little bit of like different looks for different terminators and it's cool and you know again the terminators they don't look as good as they do in other terminator movies but they still do look good and i love uh the t1000 in this movie like that is a perfect way to tell jai courtney hey look you don't have to be exactly like the guy that came before you you can do your own thing but you got to keep some sort of the character and he does such a good job as a t1000 i wish he would have been in the movie longer because he's taken out pretty early but like he's great like when they're going through the store like he gets shot in the face and you kind of see the face melting away like there's really cool shots of him and he does a very good job at staying menacing and as opposed to mcg 
I do feel like this movie was made by someone that loves the Terminator franchise, or at least the original source material, because it definitely has more of the love and care that you would want out of a Terminator movie. Not everything lands, but it feels more like Terminator than Salvation did. Having said that, there's a major error that Alan Taylor made in this movie that bothers me a lot. Because you can see there's attention to detail in so much of this movie. And then he just dropped the ball hard at one point. In the first movie, we see Kyle Reese had the picture of Sarah Connor. He got burned up long before he ever got to the time machine that throws him back. And this one, he's going to do the time machine, and he has the picture of Sarah Connor. He brings it up right in front of the time machine. Like, did John Connor just like, oh, you lost that last picture I gave you of my mom? Or here's a new one for you to jerk off to. Like, I don't see that happening. <laughs> I, it doesn't make sense logically, but I mean, I guess you don't know the family dynamic. <laughs> well, I mean, he does really need uh, Kyle Reese to fuck his mom, so I guess. Although, this does further uh makes sense that uh, that is not the original John Connor because uh, if uh, if the first movie was meant to happen in the original way and time travel worked the way it does it seems to be working in the first movie and it was it was always going to be Kyle Reese coming back in time to make John Connor then time could not continuously be changing because every single time uh, travel back to the past that happened would have already been happening in the timeline every every single time travel would have already been in the original timeline. So the fact that they're able to change things like they are in this shows that Kyle Reese definitively was not uh, John Connor's original father. And that's why we end up with an uncharismatic uh, Christian Bale, uh, fucking Edward (laughs) Furlong, and Nick Stahl. It's because Kyle Reese could not keep his his penis in his pants or homeless man's pants, and he fucked up the timeline. But also, this movie shows time travel is pointless for the machines because uh, uh Jason Clark big reveal spoiler this movie's been out since 2015 Jason Clark has turned in <laughs> John Connery turns out to be turned into a terminator by Matt Smith who was heavily underutilized because they got the fucking 11th doctor and they use him for 5 minutes hate that i was so excited when he was in this movie and he was barely <laughs> in it uh he says uh, I, I could actually kill you right now and they just split into the multiverse and I'd still be alive. So that means there's no point in doing time travel to take out John Connor because they were already losing in the time tra- in the time stream that they sent uh, the T-800 back in originally. There's zero point if they know that it's a multiple time stream. It's not going to affect their war at all. It's, and I don't see them being selfless. Like, machines in another timeline will be able to get rid of John Connor. That doesn't help them if it's going to make a multiverse. Yeah. It makes this mo- It makes the whole franchise pointless. Yeah, and, and that's it. something that I... Yeah, no, I don't like it either. It's, it's one of those things with... When you get too far into a franchise... Like, we're, we're in the fourth movie now, right? Fifth movie. Fifth we're movie. in the fifth movie now. And you're still writing your own lore. You want to put your own stamp on Terminator. So you want to do something a little bit different. You want something that's individually your own and it's not just James Cameron's. And sometimes when you do that, you kind of step on the feet of the first two movies. And by going that route and explaining it in that way, it does lessen the impact of the first movie quite a bit. Um, And if you really, you know, sit down and think about it, it really makes a lot of what goes on in the Terminator franchise useless because each of these movies is set within one timeline that it really wouldn't affect anything so it's a weird way to go about it it's something that's sometimes better left 
unexplained and things i think i like things a little bit better that way um but i mean this movie doesn't have a ton of useless rambling or a ton of explaining uh there's actually pretty good action and a couple of enjoyable scenes in this movie and it this one's more fun than i would say any of the other sequels yeah that's that's what the biggest change is is uh this one feels like a light-hearted romp terminator romp and i uh, if you take it on its own and don't uh, put it up against the first Terminator. It's it's not as egregious of a of a film as other people are making out to be. I see people saying this is the worst movie ever. Well, I'm saying like on the timeline of the of the movie, it does fuck up heavily. But as an enjoyable action flick, it's it's I, I would say it's better than Salvation. I, I enjoy enough of this where I'm like, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah, it messes up some story parts, but. Did I have fun during it? Yeah, I definitely had fun during it. Uh, the action sequences are good. I think Jason Clark, who he, he doesn't have a face of a leader of the resistance for me. He lo- always looked kind of like a nerd. And I'm like, I'm yeah. not falling a nerd in the battle. I'd rather <laughs> fall on charismatic Christian Bale in the battle. But uh, he always looked like a nerd, but he's given it his all. And I love his over-the-top John Connor. This is the most entertaining John Connor we have had in the entire franchise. He's and then he, unfortunately, he turns into a baddie because uh, Matt Smith touched him and he just like wanted to be a T3000 now, which oh. apparently they're able to change his DNA. So he's changed at the cellular level into being, I think, a nanite terminator. It doesn't make any sense to me how they can just change uh, organic DNA into metal and he still has feelings for his mom. He's like, oh, we can all be a big happy family, but I'm also going to kill you if you don't do what I want to do and turn you into a T-3000 too. Uh, it's interesting. It, it's weird choices. The Going into uh, this obviously is taking place when I, iPhones were like the biggest thing ever. They still yeah. are. But uh, they're like, let's, <laughs> do, uh, let's get uh, Genesis integrating into all of our technology when they took out the world just fine with nuclear missiles. Why do they need to get our social media passers? Like they, they went into missiles and then they leaked my nudes. <laughs> like they don't need to go into everybody's phones. That it seems like a pointless extra thing that, that terminators are doing. It's like, yeah, yeah, here, here, here's a, here's some horribly embarrassing stuff and you're blown to bits. We already had the nightmare of Sarah Connor at the, at the playground when she just gets lit on fire. It would have, it wouldn't be better if she pulled out her phone and went, Oh no, they sent out some embarrassing stuff about me or they hacked my bank account. And then she lights on fire. Well, I mean, that's, we had a similar problem with Terminator three as well as they tried to incorporate technology. And I understand, you know, it makes sense. These futuristic movies, they tie in heavily with technology. So you want to find a way to work it into your story. But Again, they're controlling missiles that murder people. They've leveled entire cities multiple times. I I think technology is the least of their concerns as far as social media and just on the very base level of technology. Like, that's not AI's uh, purpose. I don't think that's their biggest concern. Plus, aren't all the networks going down as soon as Skynet takes over? Like, I assume nuclear blasts work like an EM. EMP and like they take out all of technology. So like your computer's database is getting wiped. So it doesn't matter that it goes from your phone to your computer to your tablet. It's broken as soon as the nuclear blasts come out. And if you survive the nuclear blast, you're not looking for your computer password, uh, no matter how much you might be addicted to online porn. (laughs) 
yeah it, this this movie for the most part it has really cool shots it has really cool atmosphere and i think what it has going for it is it doesn't take itself too seriously but one thing that it does attach itself onto from the terminator 3 is it has a couple forced arnold humors that are so obnoxious and annoying that they try to work in when they get captured by the police and they're doing their mugshot and arnold's just going full cheese with the smile of the mugshot oh, like the smile it's... from terminator 2 that's awful. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not anywhere close to the smile from terminator 2 this is full teeth caricature model of arnold or also also instead of coming in with the box of roses like he did in terminator 2 he comes in with a giant teddy Teddy bear bear. and like that's not (laughs) as iconic it's not as iconic but it is funny to see him walk up with a teddy bear and then send the guy flying across the desk it's fun there's fun shots in this movie and I think the reason that this one is more tolerable than the third one, because there are similarities to this one and the third one as far as tone a little bit, is I feel like this one was made with love and it was made with someone who enjoys what made Terminator fun. Because he, there's a lot of things that he calls back to. There's a lot of things that he plays off of from the original movies. And I think that's fun to me. There's It's taking a advantage of the lore that you have without spitting in its face like the third one did yeah it also does break formula uh i'd say we this is the episode where we got the two movies that do break formula and that it's not just a terminator sent back in time somebody else sent back in time to stop it this one has time travel forward for a change and uh there's multiple time travel going on here so it's, it's breaking the formula a little bit I actually think it's fun, even though the time travel does make things wonky. Yeah. And I, I, it's weird that it does make multiple timelines, but because Kyle Reese happened to time travel at the exact right point, he happened to hit a nexus in the time stream where he was able to get the memories of the stream of Kyle that he's in the time stream with right now. And they never talked about nexuses before, but I guess he has some other Kyle's memories and shit that he was able to have sarah connor say some stuff and then he was able to look in the mirror and say uh, genesis is skynet know all this stuff and i don't know it was a little that that was a little much for me but it didn't it didn't matter because it was fun for the most part other than the fact honestly if they got rid of jai courtney and got a more charismatic <laughs> actor i think this movie would be a much more enjoyable thing it's just it's not reverent to the it's reverent to the source material, but it's not reverent to the tone of a Terminator movie because the whole pops thing is goofy. Uh, Arnold uh, he got a day job working at uh, I think he was working at Skynet while he was killing the time for uh, twenty five years or whatever. Like, that's weird. I got laid off. Like <laughs> I want that movie. I want that spinoff. Just give me Arnold working just a normal nine to five at Skynet for twenty years. Yeah, it, it's it's goofy. It's definitely goofy, and it's not necessarily bad. Like any other franchise, this would be fine. Honestly, this feels almost like a Marvel movie, but one of the not one of the shittier ones, like one of the mid range Marvel movies. <laughs> not one of the good ones, but one of the tolerable ones before they all started being bad. Yeah, well, I'm not going to say they're all bad because I did like Guardians of the Galaxy last year and that was a pretty solid movie. And I haven't seen Marvels yet, so I'm not judging it. And I'm, I'm not going to say no to seeing Brie Larson on the screen, even though I did hate the first uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, Let me tell you, you're going to hate that one even more. The movie's awful. I don't know. I, I, I think all three of the Marvel girls look good, so that'll be enough for me. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and I have no problem with the tone of these movies being different because, I mean, we saw a tone shift from the first one to the second one. You know, it started off as a very tense horror movie and then ended up as a huge action franchise. Uh, and it just seems like action's the way that the all the sequels took. No one tried to go back to that horror slasher formula because, I mean, it's tough to do and it's tough to replicate something like that. It's easier to make a Terminator movie, an action movie and have explosions and lasers and stuff like that. That's the easier route. And that's perfectly fine. I don't mind losing the tone as long as it still looks cool. As long as you're still battling, you know, the T-1000 and stuff like that. Like those scenes will always be cool. Like him freezing and then getting burned, then Arnold coming in, like all that stuff is cool. Like there, there are really cool scenes that are done well. Like I don't mind the tone being off and I actually like the lighthearted feel that this movie has. And I think that's that's the lucky spot that it got. Because if it wasn't so jokey and lighthearted, because the third movie is very jokey. But what makes the third movie so unbearable is the jokes are very ham-fisted. And it doesn't seem like it's done like intentionally. It's like, hey, we are going to try to make a funny move at moment. Here's an Arnold quip that makes no sense. Like here, the whole movie feels goofy. And they don't rely on cheesy comedy to make it feel you know, lighter than some of the other movies. There's some here and there, but it's, it's not as egregious as it is in number three. And the, yeah. the action sequences aren't like full on over the top memorable, but uh, they're good enough. As, especially, I think John Connor, Jason Clark as the villain uh, is entertaining to watch. I wish yeah. we got more Matt Smith. We see him aging up real quick and like, that's not enough. Yeah. I, I, but I'm, I'm guessing like he was going to be a bigger part of this is another one that was going to be a planned trilogy that got abandoned. This is this is more this has more reboots than Highlander, but it doesn't do it as well in the timeline. It's a, it's a shame because I'm a huge fan of Matt Smith. He gave it his all for five minutes on, on the screen. He definitely. I always thought that he had a face of a villain. They just put the bow tie on him in Doctor Who to make him less uh, menacing looking. But he looks he looks evil and he's English. <laughs> he can so be that's a bad guy. Definitely does. Yeah, he, he can be a bad. Guy. He 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 was fine in this movie. He just. Wasn't given anything to work with. J.K. Simmons, what a waste of a, of J.K. Simmons. The, you do not waste <laughs> the talents of the yellow M&M and have them do like absolutely <laughs> nothing in this movie. Like, oh, you had a young cop that saw Kyle Reese uh, in 1984. Then he comes in 2017 and now he's the same cop. But did he really do anything in this movie? Nope. No. He got shot nope. in the arm. Yeah. That was pointless. I, I I don't understand why he's in this movie. It seemed it, they didn't need to pad for time, so his character was just whatever. They did not need him in it. I like J.K. Simmons, but like why? He he should have passed on this. He's he's already had enough great roles. It just seems like he was like an added at the last second role. Like it really makes no sense at all with the rest of the story. Like him being involved at all. It's like he was working next door, and they're like, "Dude, do you know J.K. Simmons is next door? You think he would take a quick part?" And then he just came over and filled all his stuff like in between his lunch breaks and stuff like that. Because it's very like quick on the screen, and it's very like just forced in there to have J.K. Simmons. Like I love J.K. Simmons. It just doesn't seem. Like it was a needed role for anybody, let alone someone of his caliber. And he saw Kyle Reese for five minutes in 1984. And then all the way in 2017, he's able to say, you have an age today. You're exactly how I remember you. I can't remember. Well, I wasn't born in 1984. I was born in 1986. But I can't remember people's faces that I saw five, ten well, not even – I can say that for people I saw a month ago. I will not remember their faces. There there were times when uh, we were working – when I was working at Sports Authority where there was somebody that apparently I worked with 
they they left, came back, and they're like, "Oh, Josh, good to see you again." I'm like, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> you 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 have vacated my memory. I can't even remember who it is. I just remember having instances of that happening there and there. Like, oh, I I come back to work here. Like, who? You were Fine. here before? <laughs> yeah. Were you a customer? I don't know. It, it's it's nobody's remembering somebody they saw for five minutes in 1984 especially jk simmons is is getting up there in his age like i'm not saying he's senile or anything but like the older i get the less my brain works and jk simmons is already playing somebody older than i am right now and it's just a weird obsession to have like to be like i saw him all those years ago and it's like it's driven him mad he's an alcoholic now he's like all he can think about is that time 30 years ago when he saw him for five seconds it's, it's just weird it's a weird character to insert into everything oh also uh, another dumb thing when they jumped in the time machine they landed in the freeway and they get hit by a car and neither of them dead or at least has a broken back <laughs> like they should Nothing. be they should be very 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 at least injured instead they're fine and able to do the action sequences at the end of the movie and get chased by evil john connor i do like some of the big action set pieces at the end of the movie like i love the bus chase and I love when Arnold yeets himself from under the car and goes through the windshield of the other car. Like, there's some great scenes, like, near the end. And when he flips the bus and it's doing, like, the full front flip, like, it just looks really cool. Again, it's another movie that does a pretty job, good job at making, you know, some very visually appealing action pieces. I don't think the bus is flipping because he pulled something out from underneath the bus and it's doing like a full on flip. I think maybe it might turn over or something, but it, it like does a, it, it looks like it's a trapeze artist yeah, bus. It's like a catapult. He like he pulls it out and like puts it on the ground and he uses it like a catapult it's, it's and that's a what catapults it into the flip. No, it, it's it's a little much. But again, but also <laughs> it works though. The tone of it works. The ridiculousness works, of it is. It works in this movie, I guess, but like the original Terminator felt like physics mattered a little bit more. Or if people yeah, got hit by cars, it would beefy. hurt. If, if you get yeah. hit by cars, it would hurt more. And in this movie, you get hit by cars, it doesn't hurt. Uh, people can uh, flip a whole fucking bus. It's <laughs> it's it's weird. And then, like again, they killed multiple Terminators in this movie. Yeah. While the first two movies, it was hard enough to kill them with anything. And it it would have made sense if it was in the future and they had future technology, but the future was 2017 and they did not have like any lasers. They had John Connor got stuck in an MRI machine for five seconds and it somehow he's able to un MRI himself. Like that, that's like the kind of stuff they had going for him. Is there anything else that we need to talk about on this movie? I don't think so. It's, it's a weird movie because it's a fun movie, but you, there's really not a lot that's going on. If that makes sense. It's a fun movie, but it's a terrible sequel. If it was on its own, it'd be better. Uh, okay. Jesse, is Terminator Genesis a bloody good film? I think I'm just going to start all my Terminator reviews. Well, it's better than Terminator 3, which is a, a low bar, but at least it's there. Um, this one, it's weird. I don't know where I rank this one. Like, I, I watched this one directly after watching Salvation, and the tone of those two movies are just way different. Uh, I like the tone of Salvation. I think it's more in line to what I think a Terminator movie should be. But then I watch this one and I go, this is just a fun, dumb action movie like there's there's dumb comedy there's over the top there's a couple full send performances in here and i like that i think that's needed if you're gonna have movie everything's a little bit more over the top all the action is a little bit more ridiculous the explosions are bigger arnold's doing ridiculous crazy things 
the overall story is fine it's not as wasted as it is in other ones it doesn't seem to matter to me as much like when i was watching salvation i was like man there's just something about this that doesn't line up i wish there was more plot because it felt like that movie could have benefited from having a plot whereas this one i feel like is perfectly fine having a throwaway plot because it's meant to be fun and action-packed and it it succeeds it's it's a fun film uh i hate sarah connor and jai courtney i I think it's just they're an awful pair together amelia clark would have been fine and by herself i think she could have done it i think she poked up her arms a little bit and got like high shoes at least something something to make her a little bit more menacing a little bit more like the sarah connor but again i'm not gonna i'm not gonna knock somebody for not looking like your original sarah connor because that is very difficult to to emulate linda hamilton but I will give you a knock for being the worst Kyle Reese out of any interpretation that we've gotten. Jack Courtney is awful in this movie. Anytime he's on the screen, it's a negative point for this movie. But there are a lot of other things that outweigh it. It's weird for me to rank this watching it after Salvation because I want to like Salvation a lot more than I like this movie. But this is a bloody fun film. And I think that's the best way to give it a ranking. It's okay. It's fine but it's fun. So it's a bloody fun film. Yeah. This is a movie that would on its own be perfectly fun. And everybody just shit on Jai Courtney for sucking. And I think everybody already does that. I think Jason Clark, while not looking like the John Connor that I have in my head, he, he tries his best. He's kind of fun over the top. Good scar on his face. He's good at playing a villain. And that's that's a weird part of the problem is he already kind of looks like one of the nerdy villains that you'd have in a movie. So immediately when you see John Connor, you're like, Oh, that's not a good guy. Even if you haven't seen the trailer, it's spoiled everything for everybody. (laughs) Uh, You just look at that. That's it. That's an evil John Connor there. They they did show him get the scars that he always has in the flashbacks in the last movie. We didn't talk about that. Like a machine scratches his face. Like, ah, and then uh, John Connor gets his scars and it shows up in this movie too. Uh, it's Arnold, I have said before, should not have been in any movie except for the first one, but he's still fun as hell in this movie. So it's <laughs> hard to trash that. It just, I, I, to make sense, he shouldn't be in any of these, but I, I would say he's the second best Terminator in this movie after the T-1000. Yeah. And uh, just take away the pops thing. I don't like the pops thing at all. And dye your hair, Arnold, dye your hair, the full on (laughs) white. It wasn't even great. It was full on white haired Terminator just was not a cool look. And the whole point of Terminator, because they gave him the glasses in the first movie. Second movie is for him to look cool. Did he even wear glasses in this movie? I think this might be the first Uh, one. He's like, I can't see at night if you put on dark glasses. So you're going to have to let (laughs) me go without them. It was, uh, I, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, Amelia Clark might not have been a good Sarah Connor, but she's cute in it. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't think she's a great actress. Honestly, I, I wish I, I did, that I still like seeing her in things. Uh, so she, I, she, Game of Thrones. Uh, I only got through two seasons of Game of Thrones and quit after them. Like this is boring. I read all the books, and honestly, the last two books were a chore to get through too. So yeah, I'm not <laughs> I'm not the biggest Game of Thrones fan. Although I, I gave it my all on it, and I'm like it's fine. There, there were two books of, of the of the five that I read that were pretty good, and everything else was like, he doesn't know how to put his characters where they need to be, so he just makes them wander around as they find a plot. That seems to be what Game of Thrones is. Uh, you got me off track, and I'm doing the wrong review. We're not reviewing Game of Thrones. Uh, this movie <laughs> is mostly fun. 
uh, just kind of stupid. So if you're in for like mindless fun, yeah, it's it's bloody. I'm gonna say good film, but uh, it's not a it's not a it's not a great movie for the franchise at all. It completely shits the bucket as a Terminator movie. If if I'm weighing it up against the first movie, it's bloody fine film. But if I'm rating it on just like movie scale, it's good. I'll accept that. All right, Jesse, what are we gonna be talking about next week? All right, Josh. Next week we finish up January with a special guest. Someone we've been on his podcast. He's been on our podcast. You've been on his podcast. I've been well, on his we, podcast. We've been invited. You've actually went, and we are talking Alex from Beyond the Void, one of the most knowledgeable horror people that I know. I like love hearing this dude talk about horror. Uh, but he's not coming on to do a traditional horror at all. He is coming on to talk some Jet Li with us, one of my favorite martial arts of all time. And Jet Li has got a lot of movies to choose from. We let Alex pick this one. And what we're doing is Kung Fu Cult Master. This movie was a little hard to find. You're going to have to get the iTunes app and like rent it there if you don't already have a copy. Because uh, you can't rent it on Amazon. There, I saw a copy of it on YouTube. But unfortunately, I don't speak Mandarin and they do not have subtitles. So you're going to have to rent <laughs> it on iTunes if you want to watch along with us to talk about this movie. And... From the trailer I've seen, this looks like it's going to be a wild movie. I've not watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. So tune in next week to hear us and Alex from Beyond the Void talk some weird kung fu. All right, the beers are empty, which means this must be the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure to go and follow our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and even a little TikTok. Follow us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever it is you get your podcast. Leave us five stars, leave us a review, and let us know what you think. Helps boost our feed in the algorithm, gets us in front of a few new people. Huge shout out to Soul Grinder for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give them a follow at Soul Grinder Official and at Marrowgate. Thank you to Alvarium.art for our podcast art. And remember, keep it bloody, buddies. that you're just giving me dog butt in the background by the way oh yeah just full-on hole right there <laughs> but you have a cute dog get... but let's just give you dog butt just nothing but butt that's his uh maybe he'll turn around so he doesn't bark next time you're just gonna be off camera and you're just gonna have the butt right there the entire time <laughs> he's gonna maybe be on this side talk... of the bed maybe when you're talking you squeeze his side so it looks like it's him talking <laughs> He's going to get progressively closer as the podcast goes on. By the end, he's going to be right here on the edge. It's going to be full-on vision. 
It's that sequence from uh, Hell House where I keep looking back and it's closer and closer, <laughs> except for instead of a lady ghost, it's just his butthole. You don't see him move, but every time you pay attention to him, he's a little bit closer to the screen. <laughs> That's a good horror movie. 